Everyone, remain calm. Yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. And later there's running and screaming. Somebody talk to me, what is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. You want to consult here or in my bungalow? <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 166th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we're going to be presenting our monthly Jurassic Mailbag with none other than Jennifer Tarek for the month of September. Now, uh, this is the perfect representation of what the mailbag really is. It's noisy, it's messy, it's expensive, it smells... Uh, okay, maybe it doesn't smell, and it isn't expensive, but we we do have a mess of a time answering everybody's questions, and as always... I think we dive into some fun theories and ideas along the way. But just in case you want to be a part of the next mailbag, you can actually call our voicemail line at 732-825-7763. You can email us audio files or questions at JurassicParkPod at gmail.com, or you can head to our contact page at JurassicParkPodcast.com to fill out that contact form. Now, even though you haven't heard this month's episode yet, we are already collecting questions for the next mailbag. All right, so not feeling too great right now, so we're going to skip over all the plugs, the news, and everything, and we're going to jump right into September's Jurassic Mailbag. Jurassic Mailbag. Mailbag. Jurassic Mailbag with Brad Jost and Jennifer Tarek. All right, it is time for the September Jurassic Mailbag. And as always, I have my um, uh, co-host, I guess you could call it, for this segment, Jennifer Tarek. Jen, how you doing? Hi, my <laughs> mouth is empty. <laughs> so nobody turn off. Like you could, you could keep listening. It's okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I guess we had to kind of address that right at the at the front, right? I mean, so many people reached out over the past month. Uh, so wow, what are you gonna do? I apparently, nourishing my cells is frowned upon <laughs> during this podcast. So. They'll stay unnourished well, as we yeah. talk. We heard them loud and clear, so uh, everything's all good over here. So we have 
a lot of stuff. And I'm just jumping right into it this month. September, we've been talking about how we have so many things left over in the mailbag each and every month and week and everything. And uh, I'm probably going to split out a few of them because some of them are super long. So I'm going to save them for uh, – I've, I've been saying that for a while. I'm saving them for a segment where I can sit down for a few minutes and go over all this stuff. So uh, that, that'll be coming. So if you haven't heard yours yet, uh, just stay tuned. But today we're going to get started here with a voicemail. Uh, let's see. This one's from AJ. Let's take a listen. Hey, this is AJ. Uh, Extinct Lives Matter on Instagram. Um, What's up, AJ? Long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I have a confession. I've only seen the Fallen Kingdom once, and I <gasps> kind of feel like once was enough which is oh. kind of crazy considering how much of a fan I am of just dinosaurs in general and Ouch. the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World franchise. I saw the original Jurassic World a lot of times, but I just don't know about the Fallen Kingdom. I think it, it's starting to rub me the wrong way, the way it's going. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to try to keep this short. Um, I believe sure. that a lot of the movies aren't being <laughs> original anymore, and I feel like they're kind of a reboot in a sense of they're always trying to do a flashback of recreating the scenes of the original movies and these ones to make us feel a certain type of way. Um, I think that's fine, but I think they're overdoing it. I think um, they're losing their originality in a lot of stuff. Um, same way I feel like with Star Wars. I watched the original Star Wars Jen's favorite a bunch of times, watched the prequels maybe like once or twice in the theater. Um, I think Rogue One was probably my most favorite movie because it Same. wasn't trying to be the original Star Wars trilogy. And uh, I feel like how many times can you recreate the original thing till we get all bored of it? And I feel like a lot of it is starting to become that with the Fallen Kingdom and dress, the original Jurassic World uh, wasn't really much like that. It had a lot of original stuff. Um, it wasn't trying to mimic the first Jurassic Park so much it was but it still was very original I feel Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was trying to mimic uh the second movie too much and I feel like the third one is just going to be another Jurassic Park 3 um let me know what your thoughts on that and something that's been bugging me a lot especially when people posting on Instagram saying hey this scene looks just like this other scene it's just a different environment but the T-Rex is doing the same exact thing, and um, I just think the homage needs to stop, and it needs to be original. Um, also, what the hell, Dr. Wu, uh, kid we've never seen before, it comes into a film, and does he kill him? Because nobody ever talked about that, um, unless I've missed it in a podcast. want to see what your thoughts are on that, and uh, may you rest in peace, Brachiosaurus. Uh, thank you for taking my call, and hopefully... You can answer some of my questions. Thanks, guys. Ooh. Thank you. Thank you. That was a great call and uh, definitely concerned. You know, I can tell he's uh, AJ's pretty concerned about the state of the franchise, and I think a lot of people are. Um, I don't know if if he got to listen to our last episode last week. Uh, it was the Jurassic Wire with Aaron Byer. Remember, I'm promoting that new, that new segment a lot here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we actually talked directly about mirroring scenes because um, that's been a huge conversation piece in the community. I've seen it all over Twitter and Instagram, um, people just discussing how much Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, and Jurassic World 
mirror the past movies. So, Jen, do you have any thoughts on on that, like recreating scenes and doing all that kind of thing? Um, well, I have no problem with the mirroring. I actually enjoy the mirroring. I like bookending. I like homages. I have no problem with that. However, I do agree about how where the franchise is going is kind of rubbing me the wrong way as well, but differently for different reasons than that. Actually, opposite reasons of that because um, I don't want to see the same things over and over again, but I like the feel of what we've had so far. And whenever they switched to the mansion and the Lockwood stuff, that feel was completely completely different so AJ should I feel like should have liked the second half because that didn't feel like Jurassic that was kind of a new territory for the franchise but um I think my favorite parts of Fallen Kingdom were the island stuff and that was very Jurassic feeling and I liked that part but then as soon as it switched to the new stuff it I don't know I didn't really I didn't really feel it and I didn't care for it it's kind of slow but I mean I, Jurassic, it's not broken, so like, why change it? It works, and I get that you don't want to see the same thing over and over again, but it still works. Like over, it's there's a reason it it's working over and over again because it, it's just so good. And I mean, not don't like repeat it completely, but I like what they've been doing in the first half of Fallen Kingdom. But um, I don't know. I do feel like it's going in a weird direction and not what I would have wanted after seeing Jurassic World. We we talked about that in nauseam before. Yeah, I know. Um, It's just such a tough predicament because on one hand, you know, people want to see something new, something completely different and stop repeating, stop doing all the same stuff. On the other hand, if you, if you dramatically shift, like in the second half of the movie, people fall off the wagon and people stop paying attention and stop thinking it's a Jurassic movie. So you, you almost can't have it either way. You, You know, like, there's going to be people on both sides. So I understand well, what AJ's saying. I understand what you're saying. I kind of just love it because I know it's a Jurassic movie, no matter what the tone. I do feel like there is a middle ground, and they're not doing the middle ground, which is, I think, where the rubbing me the wrong way part comes in. Because I think the middle ground would have at least touched on all parts that people want. But... um this direction, I don't know about this direction. I'm a little bit unsure about this direction. And I, I do think there is a middle ground that was possible. They just didn't go that way. And maybe I, that's where some I of this know. is coming from. I have a hard time um, understanding what that middle ground is um, because the state of movies today, we just don't get movies like Jurassic Park. Um, it's just not happening. Like I, I look around, I don't think there's – very many movies in that uh, style um, that are very slow, methodical, scientific-based. Um, you know, there's not a ton of action. The CGI, uh, the, the way that that movie hit the, um, hit the, the, the I don't know, the, the film industry at the right point and changed the industry, you almost, you can't replicate that again. Um, and then you talk about The Lost World. People, and yourself included, have a lot of issues with that movie. Jurassic Park 3 is another one that everybody has issues with. So I don't I don't really know what people are, are even looking for, <laughs> to be honest, anymore. Um, because I hear people going both ways. I just want the, the film franchise to progress. Um, but I do agree that I love the mirroring. Um, and this is what I talked about with Aaron, that I just, I love, you know, reflection of the past and and that nostalgic feeling you get when you see something like the brachiosaurus rearing up on its legs and and yeah and i think aj pointed out you know r.i.p brachiosaurus but 
Um, stuff like that. I love that. And I'll, I'll concede to the point of the T-Rex posing at the very end of the movie. Um, I don't mind it so much, um, but I feel if I'm going to call out one of those moments of mirroring, that'll be the one just because, you know, we had a huge conversation about, um, dinosaurs as heroes. That was another big topic in the community. And, um, uh, that's the moment that I would say, okay, maybe that could push me over the edge as, as far as mirroring is too much. Uh, because, you know, the T-Rex literally strikes the same pose as it does inside the visitor center, roars, does all that. Um, but, you know, I like to just take things as they are in the movie. So for me, that's just the way that T-Rex acts, you know, and, and some a- animals are creatures of habit. And uh, that's that's what it does for me. But I, I don't know, AJ, I, I really like the mirroring. But I understand where you're coming from if it doesn't seem original. Uh, but I just don't know what that originality is in movie number five or six or or even you know Jurassic World at number four. I don't know what it, what it, what is original anymore. Like, how do you do that in in this day and age? Yeah, and it's a it's in the Jurassic franchise. You can't go full on original because it's still in the Jurassic franchise and it's very connected to everything that we've seen before. And I I do like the mirroring, and that's where I think. Maybe the moving away from the island feel might hurt it because I didn't think that originally. I'm like, oh, good. that The island's going to die. It's going to kill me in the fields, and it's going to go in a completely awesome direction. I don't know if I'm loving this direction. So that's that's kind of where I'm losing a little bit. So I'm, I, I liked the island stuff. And I hear a lot of people liking that island stuff. And that is a identical feel of what we've had. So – I don't know what we're going to get it's, going for. We might yeah. be completely different. AJ may love this next one I hope for so. him because it seems like it's going where he wants, which is so different than uh-huh. what we've seen completely. Yeah, I have a hard time, um, you know, with this movie. Uh, I love it, but, you know, you're saying the beginning um, for you is your favorite part and it's very Jurassic-like and the end is not so much and you kind of fall off the boat. For me, it's yeah. it's it's um, it's interesting because – um, the beginning almost feels less drastic to me and just more dinosaur rampage kind of movie. And the ending almost feels more Jurassic to me, even though it's it's a completely different setting. It just has that Michael Crichton tone for me. Um, something about it. It's I don't know. It's just Michael Crichton's books always gave me a very dark tone. Um, and the science aspect, I feel like, is very pertinent in the second half of the movie. Um and I think that it's just creating this this full Crichton universe. Um, so I kind of appreciate that aspect. So that really feels Jurassic. The first half, of course, definitely feels Jurassic because of the island and, and stuff like that. But aside from that, I don't know because it's it's very new and fresh for me um, because it's it's almost way it's obviously way more explosive than anything we've ever gotten um, out of these movies. Honestly, this might sound weird. We're dragging this on for so long, but one point really quick. <laughs> Um, you say that um, about the mailbag. Come on. We're dragging this on uh, every time. Um, the second part with Lockwood actually felt least original to me. Not coming from a Jurassic uh, standpoint, but from an overall movie standpoint. It just felt like your average monster in the house chasing you, looking mm-hmm. around corners, scare, tension. Oh, but you know they're never going to die because they can't. So you're just like waiting for the scare to go and you're like, okay, now what? Oh, we have another moment of waiting for a scare. Okay. So it that just seems overdone in so many films. And so that part didn't seem repetitive in the Jurassic sense, but it seemed repetitive in what other films are doing. 
So I, I got to believe there's a middle ground in between those two. I don't know what exactly, but I don't know. Maybe I don't know. That's how I feel, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I think um, maybe that middle ground is is less connective tissue um, because the, none of the uh, original three movies really had an ongoing story so much. You know, they were kind of individual all on their own. Um, you know, you could kind of watch them separately and not have to have any connective tissue and just assume these are all new characters. Um, so maybe that's what this series is missing most of all, the the new trilogy here, um, because we have, you know, the same characters crossing over to the next and the next film. Yeah, that is new. That's a good point. That Jurassic never really had that in a solid way mm-hmm. before where it's it understands that itself is three parts and this is just a transition movie. Yeah. So that, I mean, this third one could blow people's minds. So. Yeah. And as a transition movie, I like that um, the most because it leaves threads hanging. And uh, that's something I really appreciate in this movie. And I do want to point out the fact that, you know, I, I said I disagree with his thoughts on Rogue One um, because that movie is, is just a complete mirror or reflection of the past. Um, it's all about getting the plans for the Death Star, which is from the first or the third movie or wait, no, fourth movie. Um, so it's just all over. It's just one giant. Hey, you remember that thing? So that's what I think about that movie. But I also it's my favorite movie. I love it so much. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you there. But um, and then he also called out Dr. Wu and wondering what's going on with him. Um, he just got stabbed in the neck with the um, the serum thing, the dart. So uh, the dart that was actually in Owen that um, – uh, what's her name? Zia pulled out of Owen's neck or, or chest, I guess. Um, right? I think that was the same dart. Um, was it the same one? I believe or- it was. I believe it was. Um, mm. Either way. But whether it was new or old um, – because they made a point of showing Zia actually take that and hide it. So I think at some point oh, it fell okay. out of her pocket or something and, and he got it. I don't know. But um, so Dr. Wu is not dead. He is just exactly in the same place that he was at the beginning of this movie and the end of the last movie. He just got whisked away. So you he's see, just sleeping. Yeah, you, he's sleeping and you see the armed guards carry him off right before conveniently the room blows up. <laughs> so he's fine. So don't yeah, worry about him. Back. He will be back, and he will uh, probably bite the dust the next time. I'm going to say that's my uh, prediction. Yeah, I think so. All right, so let's move on here. We have a voicemail. I couldn't make out the, the uh, pronunciation. I think he said K-I-Titian Drax, maybe? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Let's <laughs> let's take a listen. Hello, Chaotician Drac here. I was just wondering if you guys at the Jurassic Podcast had ever heard of the 1998 game called Jurassic Park Trespasser. If you haven't, you should really look it up. It was a revolutionary physics game with open worlds and all kinds of dinosaurs. Just wondering. Thanks. Bye. Okay, I think it's Drac, like Dracula. Drac? Like, yeah, okay. I think okay. it's Drac. Drac? Well, that was that does not address his question, but let, let's let's see it addresses it one more time. yours. Hello, chaotician Drac here. Drac, yeah. Drac here. <laughs> <laughs> one more time. Drac here. Drac here. Drac here. So <laughs> Drac here. I- <laughs> I'm sorry, whoever you are. <laughs> oh, I don't know. This gets me like 
half the time when I'm listening, I'm trying to hear what people are saying, but since it's like a voicemail, it doesn't always pick up very well. But um, Jen, have you heard of Jurassic Park Trespasser? <laughs> no, I've never heard of it. You're not much of a, a gamer, right? For for anything, including uh, Jurassic or. When I was a kid, I used to play it all the time. Like, my Nintendo 64 was never cold. Like, I played it all the time. Awesome. But it's been a long... It's been... Like, Sega, Nintendo 64, um, but it's been a while. Like, a long while. Yeah, so this was, um, I believe, like a Windows-based game. So this was back around the time of, like, The Lost World. And uh, so, yes, I have heard of it. And... Jen, you, you'll probably um, know about. Um, I think we've we've actually received a call from Derek, um, and uh, we've talked about it before. Jurassic Time. So if you go to JurassicTime.trescom.org, he has uh, Derek has a full collection of like all the audio and a lot more stuff, a lot of great stuff on there. Um, all the memoirs of John Hammond in that game. So basically, John Hammond was kind of like going through, I guess you know, memoirs of his past and stuff like that and talking about his life. And he has this huge collection of all that audio. So that is like one of the biggest things from that game. Um, do you remember anybody talking about that at all? Um, I think, I think I remember hearing about that, the memoir. Thing. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a huge thing in the community. Everybody, um, you know, loves Jurassic time. Um, and it's just, it's, it's one of those things. It's like a lost thing that like, we want to pull into canon. Some things don't work, but um, overall, it's kind of nice to just hear, you know, Sir Richard Attenborough because uh, he actually he actually recorded all the lines and everything for that game. So it's great to hear um, him just kind of give all the information about John Hammond. It's uh, it's fantastic. But that's like oh. just a portion of the game. But I actually never got to play it, unfortunately. That's awesome that he did all that, though. Yeah. it's like always it's preserved now. Yeah, and it's just, it's just like, yeah, it's this thing that you can kind of pull from. So anybody in, you know, creating the movies or, you know, the, uh, the viral marketing, they can kind of pull from that if they want to. It's not necessarily canon, but if there's things in there that they like, they can actually grab right from there. So I think it's fantastic. So, you know, if you haven't heard of it, um, you know, if, if, uh, let's see, what was your, what was your name, what was your name here? Drac here. Oh yeah, a Drac, Drax. Um, (laughs) If you haven't heard of it, <laughs> go to go to JurassicTime.trescom.org. Uh, they have some great content over there. But um, let's let's uh, let's move on. Thank you so much for the call. Um, call back sometime. I'd love to hear your full name. And <laughs> this next one is from Eternal Jester. I think I got I think I got that one right. I actually didn't get his his real name. I got his handle. Maybe Eternal Jester. Jeff. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Let's take a listen. <laughs> Hey, Jurassic Park Podcast. Hey. Uh, this question is specifically for Mr. Brad Jones. What's up? Uh, Sorry, this Jen. is Kyriakos Vilches, a.k.a. Eternal Jester. Yeah. I uh, have a question in regarding your thoughts on the comparisons drawn between Muldoon and Owen Grady. Uh, recently, I watched a few videos by another Jurassic fanatic about the differentiations between the way... Both characters treated their respective dinosaur scenarios in each film. Uh, I just want your thoughts on what you think when one of these videos kind of pointed out that Muldoon actually did not treat the dinosaurs as animals, but as monsters that honestly were just out to attack and eat people. 
So that's pretty much uh, my question. What are your thoughts? Do you believe Muldoon uh, was actually a well-rounded character, or was he a character who succumbed to his own failings? All right. Thanks, and I look forward to the Jurassic mailbag. Apologize for the background noise. I'm on the road. Thanks. Oh, there we go. Okay, so so Jen, I know this wasn't directed at you, but I I know you got some thoughts on this, right? This was your question. You got to answer it first. <laughs> I was not prepared. I was like, oh, good, I could chill while he answered all right. Brad's all right. question. So, all right, I'll dive into it then. Um, I got a lot of thoughts on this, and I know we've talked about Muldoon a lot here um, in the mailbag. Muldoon is is a great archetype, I guess. He's a great you know, uh, I don't, you know, he's, he's cool. He looks cool and he sounds cool. And, uh, I love the socks. I really do <laughs> love the socks. Yeah. Um, as far as anything else, he doesn't really do a whole lot. He kind of is, is like, I think you said there, like a, a kind of like a failure, um, he he sounds like he knows a lot of stuff, right? I mean, he's he's spitting out all the right stuff in the meeting in front of the uh, Raptor pen there with the rest of the crew. And then later, he's the guy who's basically like, I told you guys, like, how many times we need locking mechanisms on the vehicle doors? Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's, he's kind of like voice of reason that nobody is paying attention to. But at the same time, he is just a failure, I think, in and of himself. Um, actually, we were joking about this. I forget. Um, I, f- I forget whose thread it was. I think it was on Twitter, talking about like what was he even doing in, in the opening sequence? You know, what was his intention there when when you know Joffrey gets pulled into the Raptor pen as they're trying to you know transfer the the Raptor, and you know the guy. Imagine the guy is like mostly in that pen at the moment, getting eaten right from the bottom half. And Muldoon is holding onto his arm, and he's just holding. He's he's not like pulling. He's not like trying to get the guy out. He's not. I don't know what he's doing in that moment. The guy is gonna die because he's just holding his arm and letting his hand slip through and just saying "shoot her," um, which you know that whole scene is kind of a mess when you actually think about it because they've tased the thing a billion times and nothing happened. Um, but so I don't know what he was doing there. And then later on in the movie. We talk about a lot here how he basically just said a clever, uh, no pun intended, a clever line um, instead of shooting the the dinosaur, you know, and he knew what was going to happen. He had to have known, right? Like he would have to know how these things attack and that they would be coming from the side. You know why? It's like the band keep playing when Titanic goes down or like the, the captain of Titanic just sitting in his room and is like, yeah. This is it. This is me. This is how. This is my life. This is how I'm going to go. I'm going to go. How I like. Good. And I feel like I that's guess. how he was. I guess. I like that. But he was. He was like. I don't know. He should have been, like the hunter in that situation where he's like, I don't know. Do you, Do you really think he would be like? You got me. That's it. But but he didn't um, get him. He just turned and said, "Clever girl." Oh, like he literally could have just instead of saying that, just turned and shot. Um, but. I guess there was another one there too, so it probably wouldn't have worked out either way. But I just, I just think he is kind of in the wrong most of this movie. And then, you know, comparing it to Owen, um, I, I really do 
I know a lot of people will not agree that Owen is the better character, but he is, and he he understands. He's the dinosaur behavioralist. <laughs> big word. Um, big big word. word. My mouth doesn't move that way. Behavioralist. <laughs> nope. Then still didn't move that way. No, no, no. Behavioral. Nope. Still can't do it. You guys know what I mean, right? So I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> behaviorist. Behavior. Behavioralist. behavioralist. Be- there we go. Behavioral. We're children. Oh, can't even say that word. We are children. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Children. Children? <laughs> We're children. Um, so, if you haven't listened before, this is the mailbag. Welcome. Um, and uh, so, as I was saying, <laughs> Owen, I think, is the, uh, the better character because he's the one who looks at that Indominus Rex paddock and he's like, what are you, what are you doing? You're going to treat it like a monster. It's going to act like a monster. He didn't say any of those words, but basically. Um, and in, in in the raptor pen, they're essentially doing the exact same thing. They're treating them like monsters, um, and um, that's what Muldoon does, like you had said. He's, he treats them like vicious creatures. Owen does the same, but he also knows that they're animals, and you need to treat them in a certain way. Um, so I, I, think, uh, I think Owen is the better of the two kind of raptor guys. Honestly, before we... I came on this podcast before I maybe before we start talking about this. I never even thought to compare them before. I, I remember I don't know if it was you or a caller way back in the day first mentioned that comparing the two, and it never crossed my mind. I didn't think that was an organic comparison to make. And I'm thinking about. I'm trying to think about it and see how I feel on that. Um, I don't know if they're even similar. Yeah, they're raptor people, but their journeys and their experience and their whole life is so not comparable to me yeah Um, no not at all so i don't really know if i can even see them as comparable characters i like both of them in their own way and different ways and um i don't think one's really better than the other i i enjoy both um i i just um yeah you're right that like they're they're pathways to getting to Jurassic Park and Jurassic World were vastly different. I think in the case of Muldoon, we we tend to just look at him through the eyes of exactly what we've seen. So we've seen him interact with the raptors, talk about the raptors, get eaten by a raptor. So we forget to to mention that like he he didn't just take care of the raptors. Like there there was more to him than the raptors. Um so, you know, he had the to know a, a whole lot more than than that, and Owen seems to be focused intently on raptors. That's all he knows. And like you know, he came from the Navy, and you know, trained things over there, and now he's training things over here at Jurassic World. And we see that in Fallen Kingdom. You know, basically, you know, for years he's been training these things. So his f- f- like sole focus is with those animals. Um, so he knows them inside and out. I think. You know, Muldoon kind of knows them on a surface level that these things are bad. They're fast. They're vicious. They kill all the other ones when when you know they're not looking or whatever. So, I don't know. I think um, I think you know Muldoon could have handled situations better. Owen kind of knows knows what to do in a lot of the situations. This could be going on a, a long tangent, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Go ahead. So, when did Muldoon? How how did he? When did he get hired? For Jurassic Park, what is his job, and how long has he worked there, and was he there at the beginning of the Raptor building, and or did he just read about them in books? Does he have any hands-on experience? Like I don't really know much about him. 
Well, I don't I mean, know if it's in the book or anything. I, I tried to not like focus on the book. I think he was like a drunk in the book. Um, but he's <laughs> oh. just a, he's he's just a game warden. So he was also a part of John Hammond's team out in that park that he mentioned in Kenya. So he's he's basically somebody who can shoot and he knows what he's doing. He he's I don't know. He just kind of watches over everything at Jurassic Park. Um, as far as like when he got there and all that stuff, I don't know. But I would assume, you know, he was there. He's seen these raptors grow, um, especially because he said they're lethal at um, eight months. What I forget how many months <laughs> it was, the raptors. Um, but he says that they're lethal. So I would assume he has, you know, witnessed them grow up from birth. So he's kind of been around things for a while. I just don't know how long, you know, like what the beginning was. But I would assume, based off the fact that he was, I'm kind of w- walking through this in my head, uh, due to the fact that he was at the Kenya Park, not a dinosaur park, but just other animals, um, I would assume that he kind of transitioned over to this park at some point early on, like very early, probably at the very beginning. Okay. So, I don't know. Hopefully that answers some of your questions there, but... um I don't know how different – it's been a while since I've read the book. Um, so I don't know how different um, his backstory is there. But um, I'll have to reread it sometime. One of these days when I have some free time, you know? <laughs> I don't know. But What is free time? Uh, nobody knows anymore. I, I don't know. You don't know. I don't know. No idea. Who knows? So thank you for that call. Uh, hopefully we uh, answered everything there. Let's move over to – what are we on here? Our fourth call. From Yaroslav, so let's uh, take a listen. Hey guys, uh, it's Yaroslav. Um, so I just uh, saw a tweet from Clayton Giardi, and that made me laugh. Um, talking about a uh, scenario of in Jurassic World Three, Owen Grady's thrown in prison, and um, you know he just says himself, "I'm gonna get out of here," and all of a sudden hears like a phone across the room says, "Paul Kirby." Kirby Enterprises. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. So um, that uh, in mind, um, like if it seemed like that happened, I don't know. I I, I think it'd be, you know, obviously that's ridiculous. But um, pretty much, I'm all I was gonna ask you guys is um, uh, if there's a surprise cameo from like a supporting character in the next film, which I don't know the likelihood of that, but um. Um, if it was a possibility, uh, I'm just curious to see, um, or hear who you guys would like, um, uh, to return. I don't know. There's just a bunch of characters and I just thought about this and I had to call because I saw the, the tweet about calling in for mailbag. So now I have to think of my answer real quick. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think I, 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 I don't know why, but I really do want to see some JP3 characters make a surprise cameo. If not, you know, from Lost World, it'd be cool to see, obviously, Sarah Harding or, or you know, Kelly Malcolm. Um, or even, uh, you know, Nick Van Owen, you know, um, or have them and some JP3 characters. You know. But uh, I don't know. I'd like to hear what you guys uh, think and uh, who... You would want to see make a surprise cameo, and then uh, you know maybe talk about it a little bit. All right, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, dude. 
I love that. I saw that tweet and it made me laugh out loud as well. So yeah, I kind of I kind of do want that. When I saw that, I didn't realize I wanted Paul Kirby in uh, Jurassic World three. Now I think I I do. Yeah, let me read that tweet real quick. Uh, so Clayton Fioriti on Twitter he said, "Imagine a Jurassic World scene where Owen Grady is thrown in prison. Owen, how am I gonna get out of here?" And you hear a familiar voice emit from the cell across from him. Paul Kirby, Kirby Enterprises. <laughs> It's I know. Good. I love that. I just love that. Yeah. It's funny. I want it. Because, like, I guess, I don't know, just Paul Kirby is is a kind of a, a comical character. Um, and <laughs> there's no way you could take the guy seriously after anything that happened in Jurassic Park 3. In the beginning of the movie, you're like, oh, wow, this guy, you know, he he's seen a whole lot of stuff. You know, he's, he's climbed to the co- top of K2 and done all this other stuff and uh he's got a lot of money and then you learn none of that is very very much true at all so um i think that'd be hilarious but yeah that's a good question though like is there any you know obscure obscure character or somebody you know from or somebody that we don't really talk about too much that you'd like to see return um i would absolutely love to see someone from uh jurassic Park three, that would that would just be the funniest thing. Like, they don't even have to have a line, or and, like they could just <laughs> kind of be there, like turn their head and like just little things like that. You know what? What if they took people from all the movies, all the films, and just sprinkled them in as not really extras, but just kind of as people that like I don't know what these other characters are doing in the future with their lives, but and I don't know where this film's going to go. But if you have like a big scene with news people or you have a crowd or just people that have to like come in for a convention or whatever they're doing. It would be so funny to see these faces in an audience or just like eating next to a table or, or just something funny. I just think that would be the best thing ever. And man, AJ would be just hating this cause that's a callback <laughs> in every possible way. But I think it would be, it would be funny and great and just a, a finale. It, it would be like a true finale of this of this sixth film yeah I, you know i've been thinking about that um that it kind of i feel like it has to come full circle in a lot of ways so callbacks and mirroring um so i think like you have to kind of touch base with some of the characters that we haven't seen in a while and i know like we were talking about this is not you know three separate stories it's one long story so it's kind of hard to just kind of you know, like put some random cameo in there with it making any kind of sense. Um, but I think if you, for instance, if you took like the Kirby's, say they were at like a family dinner or something like that at a restaurant and like a Triceratops just goes trotting by the restaurant and you yeah. just get them looking at themselves like, did you see that? And then it's literally the end of the clip and it's just, you amazing. know who they are, you know, it's, it's the three, but uh, yeah, that would be oh so great, right? That'd be so good. Um, and same thing with like Kelly Malcolm or you know people like that. I, I know um, Billy Alejandro Nivola. I think he's not really um, too keen on the franchise anymore. Um, but um, you know, I would love to see Billy come back in some sense, or or even uh, Nick Van Owen. I don't know what he's up to uh, these days. So it'd be interesting to see him again. Um, I don't know. Is there? Is, I feel like a lot of the random characters get killed off, so it's hard to say. This is the beauty of what Jurassic is. It moves with time, and not many films move consistently with time. And all these characters live in the same world and universe together, moving with Mm -hmm. time. So all these people are doing something in 2021 when this next film comes out. They're all living some life somewhere. 
doing something and there are dinosaurs worldwide apparently so what's to say yeah that there's not a triceratops walking by somebody in their life wherever they are and that would just be the great i just think that would be the greatest thing so it would really unify the entire franchise and really show that everyone's living in this world the same in quote jurassic world you know like everyone's kind of living in that same thing and it kind of pulls it all together and then it connects all the movies and you're like these people know of each other and they're in the same universe that'd be great you know i think um i think it would be fantastic um if the next movie starts off with a pteranodon attack or dimorphodons whatever you want to throw in there um and that's kind of like the way or it is the way um the john sales script opened up with an attack on a like a baseball game uh, or a t not t-ball but um little league game i guess um pteranodons come in and attack the people watching the game the kids playing all kinds of stuff it's kind of brutal but um i could see that like being like the opening of this movie and it would make a lot of sense right like to have that kind of situation and yeah. it would be fantastic if they tied it all together and the pteranodons attack a baseball game at Eden, Eden, uh, Enid, o- Oklahoma. Man, I couldn't say that. Enid, Oklahoma, which is where the Kirby's live. So for maybe, real, yeah. Like, you don't. Ha- I guess like it would be interesting to see the Kirby's watching like a news clip of that attack. Like it kind of transitions into that or something, or or they hear about it. I don't know, but um, I think just maybe even just call out that city or town or whatever it is, and it would be a nice callback. Maybe you don't even have to show them, but. Um, that would be a missed opportunity, but uh, it would be nice to actually have that because she says, you know, I hope they don't go to Enid, Oklahoma uh, for yeah. the Pteranodons at the end of Jurassic Park 3. So I think that would be a nice, like, little tie-in um, if they were to do something like that. You're tying in Jurassic Park 3, uh, the end of, of Fallen Kingdom, the the original, like, Jurassic 4 script there from John Sayles. It could be a whole bunch of stuff tied into one. Okay, now we're entering dangerous territory because I really want that. And the last time I really wanted something, I didn't get it. I know. So now I'm nervous. (laughs) It's the problem with podcasting. You just get your hopes up. I'm sorry, everybody. We're just so, it's just so many good ideas that come through this podcast from listeners and just riffing off each other. I mean, we should just write the whole thing. We should. We should. Let's do it. (laughs) <laughs> because the last time I, I wrote a follow-up to Jurassic World, it ended up being exactly the same as Fallen Kingdom. So, yeah, that happened. Um, but Where's yeah. your royalties? Yeah, uh, uh, nowhere. They're, they lost, they're lost in the mail, I think. Um, they're with Wheatley's bonus. <laughs> <laughs> in limbo. Uh, you know, a lot of people have been talking about um, uh, it would have been great if in Fallen Kingdom – Wheatley kind of mentioned Roland Tembo from The Lost World. Like, uh, I heard, I think, um, who was it? It was Yaroslav, I believe. And he was talking with Clayton, I think. Um, what was his line? He said he loved, um, oh, where was it? Can you imagine if, like, he mentioned that he knew him and basically said, like, um, I can't remember. Man, this is blanking. This is great audio, isn't it? Just me stumbling around my mind. Um, but he just said, like, it would be great if he saw he knew him and he gave him some pointers or something like that about the island. Um, but that never happened. And there's no way to bring back Roland Tembo because the actor has passed away. But that would have been a great character to revisit or at least mention or something like that, I think. But um, there's no way to organically bring him back into the mix, at least even in mentioning um, unless it's like very quick, as much as like 
Sorna, um, Sorna was mentioned in Fallen Kingdom. It was just a one line, like that's it. But um, it's hard. It's kind of hard to organically bring a lot of these characters or you know scenarios back into the into the mix when there's no need to really. Yeah, I know. But I'm hoping to see obviously everybody. It's gonna be a party. Yeah, let's, next one. let's make it a huge party. Come on, come on, Colin. Huge party. Just get every. Actually, that's a great idea. Get every character. It's like <laughs> it's like a party. Like guys, we survived. You know, and then it just so happens that the party was the same night as the breakout at at Lockwood Mansion. Uh, so like. It just so happened to also take place right down the road, and then a giant stampede goes through the party. Everybody's there, and then at the end, nobody survives. Sorry. Where is this? What is happening? Where are we going? <laughs> Getting dark here. That Where way, there's we? no loose ends. You can be like, oh, I wonder what happened with Paul Kirby. Well, he got trampled to death at the we made it out party. Oh my gosh, that's the, that's the worst. <laughs> you we don't like made it? out party, and that's where he died. Everybody, everyone is there, and they're all dead. Sorry, I folks. I love the, the title, the We Made It Out Party. <laughs> I don't know why it's taking place like 18 years later, but everybody's <laughs> like, we should. This is a great time to celebrate. No more dinosaurs are ever going to hurt us because of volcano. Actually, that's the perfect time to celebrate, isn't it? That is. The volcano erupted, and why not have a part? Guys, we're safe. And this we made it This is finally over. We made it. I don't <laughs> have to fear for my life anymore that a dinosaur is going to find find me and kill me. Let's have a party. And, guys, I got a great name for it. We made it out party. If you don't like that idea, stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> and everybody hangs up. And <laughs> Turns off right now. Oh, sorry, everybody. Thank you, Aroslav. Let's uh, move on here to a um, a website contact form submission here from Owen. And this is titled Jurassic World 3 Plot. <laughs> so great, uh, great crossover here. I it, love that Owen has an opinion on the Jurassic World 3 plot. <laughs> yeah, it's Owen Grady. Uh, message here it says uh hey brad and jen for this month's mailbag i just wanted to share some theories for jurassic world 3 in the lockwood manor dinosaur cages we see a young triceratops and its mother later on when gunner eversall is announcing the dinosaurs for auction he mentions that the allosaurus is a juvenile this leads me to believe that the dinosaurs were breeding on Isla Nublar and will easily be able to spread around the world without anything to stand in their way or control their population. Dr. Wu and his team may also continue to produce the dinosaurs with blood samples taken by Wheatley's team of all the Nublar dinosaurs, maybe even creating more Velociraptors and another T-Rex. And also there was a party that was called the We Made It Out Party at the end. No, he didn't say that part. Um <laughs> But that that was the end. <laughs> um, so yeah, what do you think about that? There's a lot what there. There's th- a lot to take. What do you, <laughs> what what do you, you take? think about? <laughs> um, let's see. All right. So how do we let's let's take this apart? Um, so the breeding. So there's breeding on Nublar, right? We we see the baby dinosaurs. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say about that. <laughs> Um, so there, nope, that's it. but at the same time, I think there's not, there's definitely not much more to say about that because, you know, I think we only saw one baby, right? I think. 
I think so. Um, so that doesn't really matter at this point. Um, I guess maybe in terms of like creating new dinosaurs, will there be anything to impact them breeding? I don't know. That really probably depends on how they're bred. Um, I would assume that they don't care about that at this point. If anybody <laughs> in some weird black market is breeding these dinosaurs, they really don't care about if they breed or not. Um, if, if anything, they probably want them to breed. So that just creates more and more and more and more. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. So that's that. Dr. Wu, uh, the samples. Um, and creating more velociraptors and another T-Rex. I think the um, – I heard somebody mention that the other day about another T-Rex breeding another one. That that could be really interesting. Um, we've only seen a few T-Rex here. Um, and in this new version, we've only seen one. So it would be interesting to kind of get another T-Rex, I think. Wouldn't it be? Um. Yes and no. I mean, it won't be the T-Rex. It would just be a bunch of T-Rexes. I don't know. That's like going to the Lost World and seeing not your T-Rex. You know, it's like other ones. And then you're like, <laughs> well, those are other ones. They're not the T-Rex. Hey, don't you talk they're not about, do- about they're not those, doing the those pose Rexes that or way. Any, you know, the pose. They're, they're not doing that. They're doing a pretty good pose in San Diego, though, that one. You know, the bull. He's like, he knows how yeah. to pose. He's And he knows how to pose in a he way learned. that the other ones don't because he's like look at that city behind me anybody got a phone can you instagram this and then he just like <laughs> he just screams it's great and it's it's become a, a great picture that we all share around he and is it's probably better on my instagram, instagram as we speak. than i am yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's like is that an instagram wall no it's san diego <laughs> um but um, i don't know other other T-Rexes. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I I don't think I want them. I don't think I want other T-Rexes. I don't know. I mean, I'd be down for it. I don't really have an issue with it. Um, but yeah, it gets into that territory of Jurassic Park three, and if if it dies at some point, people will be mad. Um, even though it's like you said, it's not the Rex that we originally knew. Um, mm-hmm. or potentially not the ones from the Lost World. Um, so. Yeah, it's 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 all weird. Like I don't know, people are very uh, attached to T Rex. So you know whether it's the one we love or not. But uh, as far as Velociraptors are concerned, I would love to see that. I I know a lot of people again have been talking about you know wanting to their raptors to return to a natural state, um, not trained, not hybridy. You know, with the stripes and all that kind of stuff, more like the Jurassic Park raptors which I would argue are monsters and not necessarily animals. I think, yeah. I think like I talked about it with Aaron, actually, I think the Jurassic Park three Raptors are probably the most well-rounded Raptors because they feel real, you know, with the way that they're, um, they're, they're, um, you know, I guess securing their nest. They want their babies. They want the eggs back. You know, they're, they're actually being very brutal at times when they need to be and also ignoring, other threats when they, you know, it does it doesn't pose a threat to them. Um, so I kind of like those raptors the most. So the ones in Jurassic Park were very villainous and monstrous. So I would kind of like that Jurassic Park three raptor to kind of return um, in a sense where it's it's more natural. Um, so I could see that happening, but I don't know. I don't know how you could get really, I guess, wild raptors unless there's some outbreak in one of these places that uh, took away the DNA. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think our odds to see more raptors are 
are higher than to see more T-Rexes. I don't know how high the odds are on either one, but I think the Raptor's a little bit higher. Um, see, now we're talking about char- like random characters would like to come back. What if, like, wouldn't it be interesting to see all the, like, one from each of the raptor types to come back? To see the JP3 raptors with the Jurassic Park raptors and even the Lost World raptors. Like, somehow, I don't know where their DNA is or how they were made or whatever, but if, like, one company was making this kind and another company was making this kind and they kind of all, this movie didn't just have random cameos from past people, it had also other dinosaurs that we know. I would love that. I think that would be great. I don't, again, like we were talking about um, naturally bringing them back into the fold. I don't know. I feel like that would take a lot of explanation as far as like, oh, I brought back for some reason the um, natural uh, Sorna raptor that you had seen in the second movie. Or, oh, I, there's, because then there's, there's three versions on that island for some reason. I guess they could say like, you know, Maybe they would like bid for them or something again. I don't know. But like somebody would be like, oh, these are the kinds of raptors. They're brutal. You would have seen these on Sorna. You got this kind, this kind, and that kind. Um, Well, I I mean, some people like how the fans are. Everyone has their kind of raptor that they like. And so maybe the public in the movie would be like, well, this one's prettier than that one. But I like the more realistic kind. Like they're very superficial with their raptor choices which is how people are with basically everything. So yeah, that actually makes sense. I, I would love to see them remake the Spinosaurus. I think that would be fantastic. Oh, yeah. 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 I agree. Uh, yeah, I would love to have that again. Um, but as far as anything else, um, I think that's about it um, from, from the uh, email here from Owen. So thank you very much, Owen. Let's move on to a voicemail from Philip. Uh, hi, Brad and Jen. It's hey. Philip. Sorry, I, I think the what? This is my third call. God, I must be annoying. We haven't uh, played any other ones. <laughs> Don't worry about to it. Give some more thoughts about Fallen Kingdom because I've been thinking about it. Obviously, now that I've I've seen it three times now. Um, currently playing Evolution. I'm about to hatch my first Rex, so that's cool. Uh. And uh, about Fallen Kingdom, uh, I, I briefly mentioned this when I talked about it. I think that like a lot of people are going to disagree with me about this, but I think that Owen and Claire's relationship is one of the most boring Uh-oh. and just by-the-books relationship I have ever seen in a movie. Like, Brad will get this up there with Anakin and Padme for me. It's boring. Oh, no, you didn't. To me. You didn't just say that. Oh, cool. The T-Rex is out. I thought he was okay, responding um, to me. <laughs> back to the relationship. Yeah, I just think it's so boring. Like I said, it's unnecessary and just like, oh, they're in love. And the first one, oh, and I was like, when Fallen Kingdom was going to come out, I was like, oh, how much do you want to bet that they're <laughs> that they're going to have them break up between the movies and then get back together in Fallen Kingdom. And I knew they would. Like, the whole kiss thing in the diorama, I was like, yeah, okay. It's to be expected at this point. And uh, uh, things I liked about it, uh, back to that, because it's more fun to talk about positive things, uh, Stiggy is really growing on me, even though he's not a real dinosaur. Uh, If any of you don't know... um, Scientists have figured out that Stiggy Moloch is actually a young Pachycephalosaurus, 
and Pachycephalosaurus was discovered first, so Stiggy Moloch is not a thing. Along with Dracorex. Dracorex is an even younger one. Uh, sorry to burst some people's bubbles there, but Stiggy's the best. He's, he's so great. Like, I just love how as Owen is, like, fighting those guys, those Lockwood guys, or rather Mills guys, and <laughs> that you could just see, like, rich people getting, like, flown through the air in the background. Like, you don't even see Stiggy. You just see, like, ah, every few seconds. Uh, and I also, I Mills is growing on me, too. I think the characters yes. in Jurassic World are really weak for the most part, but Mills is kind of growing on me because... The fact that this time the Jurassic Park villain was an actual murderer made me dislike him more. I was like, oh, wow, you're really a murderer. Like, I, I don't like you. Like, well, I knew, like, when I saw that phone, I was like, oh, man, it's on a pillow. He's going he's gonna to kill him. <laughs> and I knew it, but oh, it, it made me dislike him more that he was, you know, a murderer. Oh, and you cut off. Oh. So that was your three minutes. You're up. <laughs> well, that now, was a lot of good points in yeah, there. There was a lot. There was we had Owen and Claire. We had Stiggy, Owen fighting in the mansion, and a bit about Mills. So uh, let's let's start off with the uh, the boring escapades of Owen and Claire. Um. Yes and no. I agree with him. Yes and no. Um. I liked them first more in the first movie. I I liked the characters more in the first movie. I don't know. Um. I, I liked their relationship more in the first movie. The second one does hit the same beats, and that kind of frustrates me because I don't know if it was Colin or somebody kept repeating, saying, we're not going to make the se- same beats. It's going to be a different relationship. It's going to be different in the second one. And it was the exact same beats, and that frustrates me because they could do so much with them because they have a natural chemistry. I just watch them in interviews. They're they're hilarious. They're insane. But on screen, it doesn't work, and I don't know why it's not working, especially in the second one here. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I wish they didn't do the same thing twice, so I do agree with that criticism. Uh, I'll say that, yeah, they do follow that same formula, per se, um, but I think the, the tides are turned a little bit with Claire leading the way in this movie versus Owen in the last movie. Um, so I think that's how that he flipped the script a little bit, but aside from that, it's the same thing. It's, they're broken up. They're, they're, you know, figuring it all out in the middle and then they're back together at the end. Um, but yeah, that doesn't change that much. And the kiss, the kissing in both movies. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't like that. It doesn't bother me too much aside from like, Hey, we've never really had that kind of thing in these movies before, but, um, I get it. You know, it's an emotional situation. So why not? Well, I liked it in the first one. In the second one, it felt like shoehorn. Like, oh, we have to do this. Oh, we'll just put this here because we have to do it. It was like a checkbox in the second one. But in the first one, um, felt fine. Like, I liked it. I thought it was good timing and everything. I liked it, the whole thing. This one was like, okay, we have to do this. So we'll just do it here. We're on the opposite ends of the spectrum with their relationship, I think, overall, because I like their relationship more in Fallen Kingdom, and I like that kiss more in Fallen Kingdom. I thought the opposite about <laughs> Jurassic World. I thought, Interesting. like, yeah, I, I know you like the Claire of that movie more uh, and yeah. um, and all that, but I, I thought that kiss was just, like, not very well-timed in that movie, and it felt a little unnatural for me. Um, oh, opposite. I felt like Fallen Kingdom was 
not natural at I, all. I feel like it's more – this is so weird to be talking about just like a kiss. <laughs> but like I feel like it's more natural in Fallen Kingdom because it's it's a more intimate moment because they're by themselves. I, well, well, Maisie was there. But um, – Oh, no, she wasn't. She had run away at that point. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, they're by themselves. They're not in literally the middle of Main Street, um, surrounded by death and destruction and all that. Like, I don't Yeah, they're, they're, there's a good, a good chance they might die in Fallen Kingdom. But I feel like it's more of like an intimate moment between the two of them. They actually have a history at this point. So the kiss makes a little bit more sense for me. Uh, Fallen Kingdom, it was, I guess it was just more emotional. The kiss, but it it didn't really make sense why that would happen because they had like not a lot of chemistry going up until that point. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, at least in Jurassic World, the relationship was like talked about. I mean, it was talked about in Fallen Kingdom, but really, we have no idea where they are, where they stand. We saw we they kind of talked about what happened in between, but we don't really know where they are in Fallen Kingdom, and they never talk about where they are in Fallen Kingdom, and then they they randomly kiss. When they're not really in that much danger than they were earlier in the film, um, I don't know. At least yeah. in Jurassic World, like Clara, you know, she was like business person, and then at this point, she's just like shooting a gun at a dinosaur, and he's like, "Whoa, like that—that's hot, and that—that's awesome, and then that's fine." But then in I don't know in Fallen Kingdom, it's like it's all kind of one note, and then we have this randomness, and it's like okay. Sure. Are you a thing? Are you not a thing? At least in Jurassic World, we were defined of what they are. In Fallen Kingdom, I have no idea what they are. Yeah. What what are they? I mean, I would assume they were probably together for like two years out of the three, right? Maybe? Maybe. And then they were, because they definitely seemed like there was a bit of distance between the relationship. So maybe a year, two years, somewhere in that range. One, they broke one it two, off. I would say, yeah. Yeah, they broke it off, and then they, they didn't see each other for a while because that, that moment in Fallen Kingdom kind of seemed like, you know, it's been a while. Um, and they were still arguing their points. So it's still kind of fresh uh, in a way because they were both, like, arguing who broke up with who. Um, and where are they, like, later on in the movie? Like, you know they had that touching moment inside the cell, Um so they were kind of like getting a little bit closer again and uh they had some nice like connection in the the boat a little bit and i think in that moment it's more of like a like a be careful you know be safe goodbye kiss kind of thing so that sense it really feels natural um mm-hmm. but yeah enough about kisses folks let's talk about something <laughs> else let's talk about stiggy because Stiggy is my, like, favorite edition, I think, uh, or one of my favorite editions from this movie. Oh, he was my mom's favorite. She laughed out loud. She laughed out loud every single time that that thing's on screen. My mom yeah. loves the Stiggy. I get so giddy when Stiggy, I'm not trying to be, like, a rapper <laughs> or anything, but I get so giddy when Stiggy's on screen just because, like, it's so funny. It's just so awesome. The way it's throwing everybody around is so fantastic uh but yeah and it's a shame that you just you know you're gonna sit here and call it out as a a young packy come on phil mm. jeez man it's a stiggy let's go with still st- an, i'm just sticking with stiggy still an awesome dinosaur i mean when, <laughs> and it gets like real it looks good too like when it, it gets does. real close to the camera and you, the eye and the oh it looks so good it's one of the best looking ones and it's unique and 
It's so it's cool. I'm looking at the plush right now. Like I have the plush right there and I'm looking at it. Uh, I got the plush upstairs. I got I got a few uh, Mattel ones sitting right here. So it's, it's always around. <laughs> it's the only plush I bought was the Me too. Sticky, so. Same. See? Yeah. See? There you go. It's the best. Yeah. And then Owen fighting alongside a Stiggy was probably my favorite part of the movie. Uh, I just <laughs> – I love that part so much. It's so awesome. No other way to describe it. It's just plain awesome. Yeah, I like it. I like when the people are flying up too. I heard – I saw online somewhere – or a couple people saying, oh, that was too cheesy or too cartoony or stupid. But I like seeing yeah. the people just fly up without any dinosaur around. Like, that was funny and awesome and chaotic. Yeah. I liked it. Um, and Mills, he is probably, like, my new favorite villain. And he is Babe. a true villain. Yeah, right? He's just... Love him. He's, he's Love so him. charming. He's yes. like, I want to know that guy. Like, I want to be Mills' friend. I want to, like help him with Lockwood's money and all that stuff and then find out he's a monster. Like, Oh, that would break my heart. I want to like the evolution of Mills is next, right? Like that's the next book we get. Cause yeah, that's I a really good idea. enjoy him. I don't think anybody's really brought that up. So that's a, that's a good one. I think we need that kind of story from young optimistic college guy or whatever he was and then turns to the dark side somehow. I think that could be an interesting progression. So and she's happen. known Claire in the past. So I would like oh, to perfect. Know that. Yeah, perfect um, you know, tie-in. Um that would be fantastic actually. Oh, like to get that conversation. Really and then you gonna you have like a slight like bit of context for Fallen Kingdom. Not much, but it doesn't really matter too much, but it would be a nice little context piece there. Um, and then the fact that he's a murderer, like it would be nice to kind of see how he got to that point. If he's done bad things like that before, I don't know, but, uh, it, it could be interesting cause he seems so natural about it. He oh, didn't I, seem to I hesitate. Really like him. I really feel like, um, not that he's like Claire, but I feel like they've had the same kind of growth level. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's kind of not a similar journey, but just maybe a parallel journey, um, that, he, you know, he started out one way and then had this long thing and kind of got messed up and stuff and then got to this point and she's had the same way. She had that long thing, kind of got messed up and stuff and now she's here and, um, and they meet at that point. But I really like him and killing him off was a huge mistake. He should have been a carryover villain for sure. I mean, it was his auction. Like, it was yeah. his thing. It's his mansion. It's, he, he's supposed to still have ownership over Maisie too. So the whole thing would just be so good with that dynamic. Yeah, I wish he was still around. That's a shame that he got uh, chomped. But, uh, I yeah, I wish he was still there. That would have been a nice foil, like you said. And, and I think, yeah, they are like similar characters that just, just went down the same path and then diverged at some point and became opposites, you know. You know, he's maybe the guy dressed in black and she's the girl dressed in white. That could be interesting. But, um, yeah, yeah, so much. So we don't have him anymore. But mm -hmm. thanks, Philip. That was a great voicemail. And I know, I think you called in um, a few other times or one other time. I'm not sure. But um, uh, I'm saving that one for another episode. So let's move on here to um, a website contact form submission from Dave. And he says uh, here in the title, big fan of the podcast. Nice. So, he says, hey, Brad, this is Dave at Jurassic Dave 93 on Instagram and Twitter. I just wanted to reach out and let you know how much I enjoy the podcast. You guys make Monday mornings at work so enjoyable. I recently listened to you and Aaron have your in-depth discussion about uh, current Jurassic topics and found the length and detail on topics highly entertaining. I've been wanting to write for a while, but 
two kids, work, and life sometimes make my head spin. Anyway, I wanted to leave some good vibes and tell you to keep up the good work, Dave. Thanks, Dave. That's awesome. It is nice. Yeah, I I really appreciate that. And to, to, to hear somebody say, you found the length and detail on the topics highly entertaining, that's good. I think that's a good thing for me to hear. You know, because we're sitting, we're sitting here at an hour long so far, and I know my uh, episode last week was two hours, and every mailbag mm-hmm. pretty much recently has been two hours. So we we even got close to three hours in that one. Oh <laughs> so, my goodness! Who knows? So thank you for for uh, appreciating the length and detail, and um, yeah, and I get it, man. It's tough to kind of catch up, and and two kids, work, and life. Yeah, it all gets in the way of. Writing in the podcasts, I guess. No, that's not a thing. So let's move over here to a, uh, which was a video that I, I converted over to some audio. So let's take a <laughs> listen to Nemo. Uh, let's hopefully the uh, level's good. Hello, Brad and Jen. Nemo here. So I have some thoughts on my mind that have been there for a while. So I'm going to try to make it, make them all in three minutes in this voicemail slash video slash email. Okay, so um, first thing I want to say is uh, five days ago it was my birthday. I got very many Jurassic stuff, like Jurassic World Evolution, you know, the uh, Thrash and Throw T-Rex and, you know, yes, many fun stuff. I that's not very good English. Oh well, whatever. So the second thing is uh, many people seem to, you know, some don't like, you know, the cloning aspects of uh, humans in in um, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Which, I I mean, I can... Okay, I'm gonna be honest. I can't understand why they don't like it. Because, you know, it it could happen. It's not... I mean, there is a higher chance chance of uh, us making cl- humans of clone... Clone of humans than making uh, clones of dinosaurs. And... People have already tried to make clone humans. I don't remember when, but they've already tried. So it's not that far off the line. I know it takes a bit out of the dinosaur aspect, but my dad, he works in, uh, you know, the... No, you just, of course you don't know. But <laughs> No, I know exactly. He works uh, at uh, these um, the, uh, computer, oh, the computer AI. The AI thing, yeah. You know, I remember. Stuff. stuff the, yeah. the things I call for science fiction stuff, because that's literally what he's doing. So, yeah, I. So, why. I just want to get your opinions on that cloning aspect. Oh god, I'm not going to get all of the things I want to say in this video. So I'll just call in another, if that's okay. Oh, whoops. Alright, yep. And Number three two. Okay, I'm back <laughs> Number again. Number two. Here oh, okay. In the, there's, there's one more. In my room. <laughs> sorry. Great. So. <coughs> oh wait, you know what? Uh, sorry. Let me pause that before. 
<laughs> before we go on there. So let's talk about the first one. I don't know why I just kept going. Cloning. Some don't like it. That's what I wrote down. Do you you like the cloning, um, right? Or no? I'm indifferent. I don't know. I'm I got to see how it's done and how it relates to the franchise, I guess. Yeah. It does seem a little um, left field and a little away from what Jurassic is, but we have no idea if it's going to be a core theme or if it's just going to be a side theme or if it's just a point to get more technology out there. Um, I don't know. I'm indifferent right now. Yeah, it's tough to say. You know, I would assume like it's such a big deal that they should devote uh, a bit of time to it in the next movie. But who knows? Maybe they don't talk like t- touch on it ever again. Like, I mean, maybe they mention the fact that she's a clone still, but never introduce any more aspects of that. Um, I think it's been received well enough where they they'll say like, well, we don't need to drop it from the storyline. Uh, I think there's been some outrage but really it's been pretty widely accepted as far as i can tell i don't know if you've seen outrage have you at all no i mean i saw the initial reaction of oh like okay that's not what i thought we were going for but oh okay so i i saw like the initial that but um now though after it kind of settled in i don't see any problems i think people are cool with it yeah and like i had said before about the second half is very Crichton to me and I think that's something Michael Crichton would have tackled or did tackle. I don't know. I, mean, I haven't read his whole catalog. But um, as far as Jurassic's concerned, it's very Crichton. So I, I think it works. And I don't know why people don't really like it. I, I guess because it seems, like you said, out of left field. But aside from that, there's no reason why. Um, I guess because it's a new element that doesn't revolve around dinosaurs, I guess, maybe. But that's the only yeah, reason maybe. I can think of. But, I mean, it just might be a little thing, and it just might be this girl. It might not evolve, so it might, it might, it'll be fine. Yeah, it's I good. think it'll all be good. So I'm ready mm-hmm. to see, though, where it goes because, I don't know, I, I think they could take it in a multitude of directions. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, who knows? But uh, I don't think we're going to get more human clones, I don't think. I don't either. I really don't think so. That would be a whole different film, and I don't. I don't think it's going to go there. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I think it will end with Wu, and I think Wu will end. So that's I mean, my honestly. Theory. This whole clone storyline may have only been to really connect Lockwood and Hammond. Yeah, <laughs> and that's you it. know, it, you know, we've been talking about expanded universe a lot, and maybe it doesn't tie in as much to. Jurassic World 3, but maybe it ties into like a Maisie book or, you know, a Hammond book or something. I don't know. Maybe it ties into something yeah. else in the like canon. A pre, yeah. A pre Jurassic Park stuff. Yeah. So maybe it doesn't necessarily pertain to the next movie as much aside from continuing her story and knowing she's a clone, but she can go on and live her life normally unless she, you know, develops some disease that kills humanity. So I don't know, but uh, you know, you don't know what to what to expect with clones of humans. I don't know, but let's uh, let's dive back into that second voicemail here. Sorry, I'm a bit sick. Sorry. Well, I hope you feel better. The next thing I was going to say before you know, the email will cut me off because the email actually cuts the video, which is a bit of a bummer. <laughs> so the sorry Definitely. for talking so long by the way. 
but I really want to say this. So I'm pretty, you know, jealous of, of you know, all the people that live in United States and United Kingdom and stuff, because here in Sweden, you know, when Star Wars and uh, Infinity War and stuff came, you know, mm-hmm. the biggest, like, hype, they're, they're like, for Star Wars, they, they it didn't come out toys until after the movie was released. And the- I'm considering, like, turning this into, like, a partial Star Wars podcast, or at least the mailbag. Oh. You okay with that? Is that good if we transition that- into, you know, in the next three years, there'll be some downtime. People won't want to oh, talk about goodness. Jurassic. So what do you think? That I, I know. <laughs> it's broken. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm broken. I'm sorry. We've You've got a lot me. of Star Wars mentions tonight, so... <laughs> You broke me. <laughs> Same with uh, with if Infinity War, and Infinity War it took like two whole weeks before it came stuff, and uh, you know when you go to a theater you don't see all this hype stuff. It's just some posters and that's it, and. Uh, I see all the other uh, theaters of Jurassic. Uh, they have like these cool popcorn holders, like in the shape of a T Rex head, and uh, they get all these cool mugs and stuff. The coolest thing we got was uh, 3D glasses, and that happened once, like in my lifetime. Hmm. Okay, twice when I think about it. <laughs> okay, three times. Well,. So, that was all. We do get one thing that the United States didn't get, though. We got the movie earlier, which, you know... It's... I mean, I would like to get it not er, like not earlier, getting more hype and getting it later. It would be better, I think. Okay. So, the hype... Um, as far as that goes, I feel like I missed out on a lot of that too. Um, aside from like the big, uh, what do you call it? Like the big, um, T-Rex breaking out of the logo, the big standee in the theaters. I wouldn't say there was a whole lot going on aside from that. I mean, I saw some posters. Um, I didn't see a lot of giveaways or, um, any of the cool cups or popcorn buckets or anything like that. I saw none of that. So Mm. it, it, yeah, I, I kind of like think the same thing. I'm like, wow, where is all this stuff happening? Um, there was a lot of Walmarts that were having like hype events for the Mattel stuff. And, and, and I never saw any of that. That never came anywhere near me. There was a select amount of dates. None of them were around me. Um, so I feel like I've missed out too on a lot of that stuff. Well, I feel like it happened. Like I know there is stuff happening, but – I mean, my June, there was no way I could have enjoyed the release of this film how it was supposed to be enjoyed. I mean, 
we we did the premiere and then yeah. I was on City Walk in California when they did the when they released on the 22nd and that was hyped up. So I feel like I was in the hype on that day, but I missed my home hype. Like I was gone somewhere every day in June. I didn't get to watch TV to see the trailers really. I didn't go to my theaters at all really. I didn't even go in the stores. Like I think I went in the in the stores May and then all of June, I did not even go in a Walmart, Target, anything. So I didn't see any of that. I mean, I just I think it was there. I think it existed around. But I I know I did I missed the whole thing because I was either on a plane, I was in another state, I was in a hotel, I was trying like I missed the entire hype for yeah. sure. But that's on me though. I don't think it did. I think it happened. I just missed it. Just zero hype at the premiere. Just you know. It's weird. That's a weird thing. You would think they'd hype no. that up, right? I mean, I mean, that's a different. That's different hype. <laughs> I mean, hometown hype, yeah. like organic hype. <laughs> I I think like a lot of the WalMarts I I visited had like nothing going on. They had like one stand in like a middle of an aisle that was like, here's some Jurassic World stuff, and then the regular stuff in the aisle. The the targets actually did semi decent, where they had the giant T Rex um, cardboard thing. And some like it looked like jungle and stuff like that, but it was a very small section, and it wasn't like a widespread aisle. It was just like one small portion of the aisle uh, was devoted to Jurassic stuff, and that's it's been the same way, and not very well stocked. So it's okay. been kind of tough to find stuff. But okay, uh, I don't know about Sweden is, is comparatively. That's interesting because just today I went to Target and it was fully stocked, like fully everything, every possible thing was stocked. And then um, I, w- I was since July happened and part of August, I've been going back to the stores and kind of looking. And my Walmart has three giant sections of Jurassic stuff. Like it has the pillows and all of that in one mm. huge cardboard display. Yeah. And then it had a side display with um, the I don't know what they are. The new ones where you push them and then their skin pops away. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> Those new battle toys. damage. Yeah. Yeah, there's a new section with that with a display, and then there's the old, the regular section of the Wave One stuff. So huh. my Walmart did good, and um, Target also has a lot of bedding sections, like a specific Jurassic World and Jurassic Park yes, bedding section, yes. which is cool. That I wasn't expecting the Jurassic Park sheets. Like no, those Jurassic neither. Park sheets are so cool. Yeah, I think I Target's done a great them. job. Yeah, they those sheets and all that stuff, the pillows. The there was like a uh little like storage container and stuff like that and then there yeah, was I in, yeah i have my toys in there <laughs> oh nice yeah in in the like the home section there's been quite a bit of stuff it's still still probably there unless the stock's yeah. gone but um every time uh, time i've gone it's been there they had giant pillows the volcano pillow which i got um, there's a nightlight like a uh, with yeah. the t-rex yeah with the t-rex in its pose and the volcano is a nightlight very typical pose that because it's, it's cool and there's a <laughs> bank there, there's yep. like a ceramic t-rex bank mm-hmm. that's official jurassic merchandise and they're, they're, the, the jurassic park stuff is, is what surprised me and there just always seems to be new stuff at target even now like new bedding and just really cool things yeah, I've been I've been so blown away by Target. Like, but that that uh, the T Rex you saw the the big T Rex that was in the aisle, right? Yeah, that was only there yeah. for like three weeks. I feel like I don't know what the typical. It was not very uh, long, at least. One Target because me and Josh went 
to the beach last week and we drove down the coast and went to like every target along the east coast (laughs) and about maybe a couple like three out of seven three out of ten ish still had that t-rex really um and about two like two of ten had the trading cards and every target had the dog tags like we we were literally stopping every single one those have um, all been hard to find yeah the, yeah, the those cards, cards were, they were hard to find. Um, the one, his like neighborhood one is actually the one that had a full box of cards and they had a full stock. They wow. had, like two colossal Rexes and everything. So that, yeah. I think they're restocking because the one I, ju- I just went to today had like two or three colossals and like six Claire's and every Roar of War, whatever they're called, and like all the legacy, every legacy product. And they just had like everything. You know, uh, my none of my stores have ever restocked Ellie. I've never seen her on shelves. Oh, yeah, I have not seen her. Um, but everything else from Wave 1 has been restocked multiple times. Not as much for any Wave 2 or 3. Um, it's been very slim. And luckily, I've gotten a lot of them. Like, I just so happened to, to grab the, like, the one that they had there for mm-hmm. a lot of the items. But there's still some that are missing from my collection. But I know we're probably bragging about how little we have but we have probably more than sweden i'm not sure i know it's been kind of limited as far as um stuff overseas is concerned so i don't know how sweden is but um yeah i don't know I, i've heard a lot of people cl- complain about the limited ability of all, all the stuff you know in different countries so hopefully it all shows up at some point for you i do have another voicemail here from nemo so let's take a listen you thought I was done talking? <laughs> <laughs> this is only the beginning. No, oh, I'm no. just joking with you. Um, oh my gosh. No. I just want to say many people have been talking about all the weird names in the Jurassic films. And many have pointed out Gunner. It's a very weird uh, name. And it's actually Swedish. And because I live in Sweden, I know how it's pronounced. And it's pronounced... Gunnar. Huh. It's uh, might sound a bit funny because uh, when I talk English and say it, it sounds very funny. It sounds funny be- because of many reasons. <laughs> you know, it doesn't sound funny for me, but for you, it would sound funny if instead of Gunnar, you say Gunnar because, you know, yeah, it's another language and it sounds a bit weird. For you, not for me. Oh, well, I just wanted to say that. Now it's bye for real. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thanks for the uh, the insight there. I I wouldn't have known that otherwise. But uh, our you know dumb American accents basically just like Gunner Eversol. You know we don't we don't. Oh, too, I, uh, I actually forgot that was his name. I never oh, really? thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, I think. Um, do they even s- say his first name? I don't know. I think they say Mr. Eversol or something like that. Yeah, I don't I remember. I didn't know his name. Hold on, my mic fell. Let me quickly. Here we go. You know, you 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 went from from eating to mics falling, and my desk broke last time. I think it's still standing somehow. So we're lucky. Nothing has fallen apart yet, but it it's still broken. Okay, let me get headphones back in so I can hear you. Okay, good. Okay, we're set. Yeah. So you're good. You're all set now, right? Yes. Continue. Good. All right. So 
I think we're good. Um, I think we uh, covered all this stuff there. So uh, thank you, thank you, Nemo, for the three voicemails. Um, but let's move on to our last one here. Um, it's a slightly longer one as well. So this is an MP3 sent in from Britta. So let's take a listen. Hey, Brad and Jennifer. My name is Britta, and I am hailing from New York City. Before I jump right in, I just want to thank you both so much for the hard work that you put into this podcast. I discovered it um, during the press junket for Fallen Kingdom, and I've just really been enjoying going back, listening to um, older episodes of your podcast, etc. It's given me so much joy on my way home, so thank you so Aww. much. Um, awesome. I wanted to bring, uh, I wanted to talk about, um, wow, I can't even talk. I wanted to talk about the, mailbag. Um, we get the it. evolution of Claire. Um, <gasps> I loved your episode on that it was just very informative and it brought up a lot of things like I definitely understand why it would be a little challenging to reconcile the Claire that we got for Fallen Kingdom and the backstory that we got um with Evolution of Claire with the Claire that we get in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom but that being said, I don't feel like it necessarily... There's certain things to me that don't necessarily feel like... Um, like, I, I'm not... I, I, It wouldn't be hard for me to believe. Basically, I feel like, you know, in regards to her loving dinosaurs, I don't necessarily feel like that would be all that weird of a thing considering she decided to work for Jurassic World and I'm just trying to look at this like logically and I think that any like if we look especially with the backstory that we received for her she had her pick of the internship so if she wanted to choose the traditional route of you know going into politics or you know becoming um uh, like a power broker or you know something like that she she could not you know she could have gone anywhere stateside or even like in the UK she could have gone anywhere and done it more traditionally but she decided to um, jump into Jurassic World and I can't help but feel like any of the employees going to work for a place like Jurassic World something has to be drawing you I think that one of the criteria would have to be a love of dinosaurs or animals to do that and so that's why it's not at all like strange to me that perhaps she would love dinosaurs um, and also in connecting that well let's see uh, interrupt there. Uh, loving dinosaurs. Do you think? Um, do you think that's a prerequisite for working at Jurassic World, or do you think no. it was it was more no. of her like no. progressing her uh, career? No. Right. No. Yep. Um, I was. I don't know if you heard me typing, but I was making notes as she was talking. <laughs> um, um, okay. So first, she didn't pick the Mizrani internship because of the dinosaurs at all. She picked it because that was the most powerful company. And she knew Mizrani was a very powerful man. And if she could befriend him and his colleagues, then she could, like, get what she wants. And she can rule whatever. And she could be a senator. She could have the right contacts. So she didn't see the Jurassic World internship as being um, an animal dinosaur internship. She saw it as a power move. And um, 
my second point is you can work at a corporate level at any company and really not have any interest in the material. It's just a business and the corporate <laughs> environment. So I really don't think the fact that it was a, a Jurassic World internship played on Claire's um, interests per se. Like she didn't choose it because of the dinosaurs at all. In my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to revisit um, some of the lines in the book, but I remember her talking about how much San Diego impacted her and stuff like that, right? Um, but yeah, it's, she mentions it. Yeah, that but it's, it's a cool thing. Like exactly. it's a cool thing, but I don't think it's what's driving her. Exactly. I don't think. I don't think so. I mean, it, the love of animals, sure, um, it definitely played a role into it. But I think, as far as like what her ultimate decision was, she waited and waited because that was her final choice and the only choice she wanted. Um, and she, like you said, she could have taken any of those and done anything, but she knew that Jurassic World was her best opportunity to advance her career. That's the mm-hmm. way I see it, at least. Right? Yeah, it was definitely for the power because she knew that that internship had the most potential to give her the most power out of all the choices. And that's why she picked it. It, yeah. it didn't, it wasn't, I mean, I think she's like, oh, cool dinosaurs, but there's a lot in the first couple chapters where her motivations are very like power driven and control driven and having the right communications and connections with the right people can get you to, she wanted good, I mean, she had good intentions with that power, but to get you the yeah. right power to make things happen. And the Mizrani side of things would give her that and it was just like dinosaurs were just a cool second thing yeah it's it's interesting because they focused so much about her love of animals but that didn't really play a role into her accepting this but then that did play a huge role in her job or her internship at the island. So it and is, then she it's interesting. Ma- automatically just loved the dinosaurs. I'm like, but a minute ago, you were like contriving to have this power struggle thing going on with the company. And now you're, oh, I love dinosaurs. And that's why I have a problem with the middle of the book because the front end really plays that um, motivation. And then the back end pay- plays that same kind of motivation. But in the middle, I feel like that's where it kind of gets lost. And it's ironic because it's the total opposite of what Colin is trying to tell us because I feel like the beginning of the book and the end of the book are are Claire like finding her true self, but yet Colin's trying to tell me that the middle of the book is Claire's true self. And I feel like Jurassic World is more front and end of the book and that's kinda where she sits. But yet everyone in Colin is trying to tell me, No, you're the opposite. The middle is her true self. Fallen Kingdom is her true self. And I'm like I don't know. I'm off. I'm backwards somehow. I'm trying to train myself to go the yeah. other way, but I just can't see it. Now, oh. say for instance, the beginning of the book, any kind of love for animals was taken out in and just replaced with, you know, her love of a career or focus on a career. Um, do you think that would help you at all if it was just like? no animals no real care and then partly partly like through the book she realized wow wow these things are like really beautiful creatures i i love these things i think these things are fantastic and fascinating and then she loses that love because of the tragic you know ending oh brad you're doing it to me again you're making me want something i can't have all right i'm sorry (laughs) actually yes that would have been the right way to do it have have you know 
book. Uh, she, I feel like she was. That's where the disconnect is as well. I do think she was highly motivated on career in the beginning. I don't think she was really focused on the dinosaur part in the beginning. And all of a sudden we switched drastically. But if we did see that growth of her being very career driven and then getting this internship with the power, which is what happened. And then the gradual awe builds, if we saw more awe build instead of just displaying the awe, because I feel like they just displayed a lot of dinosaur circumstances and they didn't actually build any of it. I mean, she was, she was like loving all of it. And I, I just wish that she would have been more, I want this business, I want this career, blah, blah. And then kind of breaking those walls of seeing the whole animals and then by the end, switching back. And I, I do think... That would add a little, a, a lot more, um, like complexity and just relatability and growth, natural, organic growth, not just switches back and forth. Mm-hmm. It would have made sense with Fallen Kingdom because then it wouldn't just be black and white. You'd have a lot of gray. Like I, I don't, I feel like we're missing a lot of the gray. And this book was supposed to make the gray, but it just was as polarizing as everything else. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting, and, and uh, I just like, you know. Ruined it again with a, a decent theory, I think. Like, oh my gosh, I kind of want yeah. that too. Like, I think that would have been the best route is to just like make her not really too caring of an individual, but just like very business focused, which is perfectly fine. But then desi- decides she loves dinosaurs and then just decides she can't love them anymore. I think that would have yeah. been interesting. But let's, uh, let's continue on here and see what she has to say to how she is in the first Jurassic World like even speaking for myself like I can understand and I work in HR so um seeing her become a little distant and um just like very business oriented very like you know my eyes on the prize here that is very easy to do when you've been like after a while all of your idealism for you know wherever whatever the purpose was originally can leave because you're just facing so much um from a day-to-day operational perspective so i think that that could offer perhaps some explanation for claire in the first movie also um Oh, yeah, let's let's uh, pause there. I'm just gonna keep pausing. Um, I think that's perfect. That's we've. I feel like we've talked about that quite a bit. But um, as far as like the disconnect from the end of Evolution of Claire to the disconnect of like how she feels in Jurassic World, yeah, I guess you just kind of focus and focus and focus and lose sight on things. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but then that creates a whole new disconnect because I feel like between the book and the movie, I mean, because she was disconnected, I feel, in Jurassic World because of um, Britta? That's her name, yes. Yes. Because of what Britta just said, um, being in the corporate environment, you get disconnected naturally that way. I feel like that's true in Jurassic World. But then at this end of the book, she's disconnected for another reason. And now we have a disconnect between reasons. And they don't match. she's not really disconnected even at the end of the book, is she? Like, not really. Um, well, I guess that it's just they're showing you that she's starting to starting. take on a different view on things. I guess. I guess. And like motiv- her motivations are, are different. Her motivations keep changing. I don't know. <laughs> I wish she was more yeah. focused. I like I Britta's know. explanation that you just kind of lose sight on what you yeah. wanted in, in your career. And, you know, she's no longer thinking about being a senator or saving animals' lives in that sense. But in this sense, at the end of the book, she's like, I need to be the one to control things. So I like that aspect. And then she forgets along the way that she did once love animals yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that's a decent way to look at it. I'm not sure that I'm also in agreement with um, 
Jennifer's opinion that um like we were wondering in the in the last prod podcast whether she would be this adventurous or whatever the case may be and I just kind of feel like you know she's 19 years old so you know most of the time in college you're this is the time where you can be kind of you know take some chances and risks um and and jump into different things and be as adventurous as you want so um in knowing her age and in knowing this exciting opportunity I can't necessarily say that that's so far-fetched either because I don't think that her being adventure adventurous or um loving the animals necessarily uh detracts from her also being highly ambitious wanting to be in control wanting to soar to higher heights and you know be the the main boss like those things are very very um inspirational to me as well to read and I was very happy to read them but yeah I don't think that her loving animals or these other new layers of Claire detract from the layers that we love most okay um Mm -hmm. interesting because I think that's uh, pretty accurate as far as like um, when you talk about like young kids and stuff like that and young people. Um, I, I don't know. Like, yes, the, the risks are there. Certainly you would take risks when it when it's needed. And also you really just don't know what you want, you know, at that point. I, I admire anybody who knows what they want. And Claire certainly knew like she yeah. wanted that, that, that career. And she knew exactly what – um, internship she wanted she waited on it and she knew everything not everybody knows that I didn't know what I was doing you know and and I, I still don't I feel like still don't know <sighs> so um, I just don't I can't even get in that mindset but it makes sense to me that you know you would lose focus on even like kind of tying into that last theory like about just like moving on in the business world you kind of forget things but even as you grow older and she kind of you know, she grew what? Uh, how how long was that? Uh, Eleven years or so, I think, between between the book and Jurassic World. Um, so I think like things change, and maybe she just doesn't want that anymore. You know that. So that makes a lot of sense to me that like you just are in a different mindset when you're younger. Okay, I I have some points on this. Um, I was one of those people that knew exactly what they were going to do, exactly what school they were going to in 10th grade, exactly what they were going to major in, plan their life accordingly. And I was around people that were the same way. So I don't think all 19-year-olds just throw caution in the wind and go for it. Like, I don't think that and because I I personal experience I did not see that in a lot of people that I was around and I did that was not me either I was very like focused in everything I was doing and I had a vision and motivation and ambition towards it which is why I love Claire so much so I, that's like me yeah. and other people I was around as well and so I saw that in more in a lot of people I was around so I don't think that um at 19 she would just go, go like that because I don't think I would detract that much away think, from that i think well, claire, i mean claire took chances when it uh would have helped her career too you know like that's what i mean i think she means there is like take chances when it comes to speaking with oh, Ms. Yeah, ronnie yeah, yeah. and stuff like that like oh, i'm yeah, gonna yeah. take that chance and and show him that like i'm the one for this position or you know i think yeah. that's probably more uh as far as like taking chances like out in the wild when it comes to like i'm gonna go you know find the entire espionage plot and do all that stuff might be a little outside her wheelhouse. And like, I'm going to go collect these algae samples over here, blah, 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 whatever. I think maybe that might be outside, but like, 
It's yeah, interesting. Th- it's interesting. Pieces. I mean, she didn't jump off the waterfall, so there's that. I yeah. mean, like, there's a lot that she didn't do, which was fine. But then there's a lot that she did do. I don't know. Yeah. I, I see both sides. Um, but I, I just think I saying that using the the, the age as a, a reason for just just running through the woods and doing all kinds of stuff. I don't think that's valid yeah. for everybody. I, I don't know about the woods and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, when you're talking about um, risks, you know, everybody always says like, well, now's the best time for you to take a chance because like when you get older, you can't really take those kinds of risks, not running through a jungle or anything. But I totally get like the business portion of it. Like you yeah. can take risks when you're young, when you can afford to make mistakes. And I think she saw it that way. She was very, she was already in the position you know, at the internship, but she wanted to get even better. So she's like, I'm going to take these risks. So I kind of believe that aspect. So it works for me. Yeah, those risks. But I mean, there were some other ones that oh, were yeah. just seemed weird. Definitely. And those are the ones that I think you might have been focusing on um, in the last when we yeah. talked about this. And those risks make sense, I guess, for a person that was adventurous, outgoing, and into animals and, and that sort of thing, like apparently she was. So yeah, which that's say. where we're missing it. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, that makes sense for that kind of person, but I don't think she's that kind of person. Yeah, but um, let's yeah. Uh, let's see what else is here. Also, I don't feel like her being in a relationship or wanting a relationship or anything like that detracts from all of those things we love about Claire. But I'm very happy that Tess did not decide to turn this book into just like a melodrama of just like like eye rolling romance. Like really happy that that didn't happen. Um, I thought that Tess did a wonderful job at really portraying young Claire. And it was really nice to see um, a young woman, especially in young adult literature, be so, you know, I'm ambitious. I know what I want. I'm gunning for it. Now, the issues that I do have, not necessarily with the book, but with the writing in Jurassic World, is that I feel like all of these new facets of Claire that we're learning about might be much easier to reconcile if they gave us some 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 uh, deeper character development. Excuse me, deeper cal- character development um, or foreshadowing of these things in the first movie. Um, one of the things yeah. that I found I've always been kind of a little like mm, about with the Jurassic franchise is that sometimes I feel like you know. It would be really nice to see some character development or some like some kind of something that goes a little deeper so that, you know, like you feel like you can connect with them better. And I feel like if they're going to say that Claire is like the heroine, basically, of this franchise, of this trilogy, then definitely if they were going to make her like um the the head of dpg and everything and they knew this when they were making jurassic world if that was the case then a little foreshadowing it didn't have to be this grand like let's take 10 whole minutes to discuss her backstory moment but it could have even just be she's sitting at her desk and you know she sees a picture of her and pearl in the backdrop with all of her intern friends or you know an old dinosaur keychain that she got from the internship or you know a picture of her and her dogs or in her and her lizard from back home or you know her chopping wood with her dad or whatever the case may be (laughs) like any of those things I think would have made 
understanding Claire or at least connecting these various iterations of Claire a, a much easier because I will say as much as I'm I'm completely okay with Claire being head of DPG and everything like that I do understand how people will come away looking like well that's an abrupt shift <laughs> like what <laughs> um and I understand that um so yeah I just wish that they had more foreshadowing um of the character at that you know in Jurassic World and then you know it wouldn't be so hard my question um okay stop it there oh giving me things I want giving me more things that I want why does this keep happening to me (laughs) yes to that because that's a great point that I don't think we've ever talked about having some kind of light foreshadowing in Jurassic World because we've talked about the disconnect and all of that but we've never said what if Claire had a dinosaur keychain or like what if she like secretly had a a dinosaur something like in her purse or or just like a little side thought of a past memory of it yeah that would have been really nice anything instead of like i don't know like instead of like her conversation with her sister in the car maybe maybe like she could have like just gone to her office or like seeing her office could have like gave given a lot of insight you know like or I think they could have had pictures like she had said um, anything would have been great. And maybe even like a little shot of like her bungalow or wherever she stays. She probably stays there, right? Like I don't think she goes back to any other place. Um, so she would have a place on the island, I would assume. So any kind of like insight into her life would have been great. And it could have been just, you know, one minute, two minutes. And you could have gotten some insight into that backstory because I don't know Colin seems to have said that this story has been in place for a while and he kind of knew who these people were for this whole time I think he knew the ending you know when he started so it would have been nice to kind of get that uh, foreshadowing I'm trying to think where that would have fit because um the, instead of the phone call in the car that would have had a fit right after the Indominus right before Owen so a whole like moment in her office like even reminiscing or just seeing something remembering something that wouldn't have fit there um after the apatosaurus there was no real time for it where was the moment when, when was she <sighs> talking to her sister because like there could have been an instance where she was like held up a picture of her mom or something like that and they were talking about um, mom or something i don't know that she was when she was driving to owen after Ms. ronnie telling her to go see him with the indominus paddock that's when she was in the car. Okay. And that that's a weird spot because she's not thinking about dinosaurs. She's still thinking about the product and um, yeah, going to see Owen. And then – But I think it works really... because it's not dire or anything like that. So she, Right? Like I, I forget the placement but – No, um, it, it wasn't. It was just a leisurely yeah. drive to so go see him. I think like at least an office scene. You know, she didn't have to be in motion. You can connect the scenes fine. Um, I think like if – yeah, if she was in an office at that point – you would get, you know, she didn't even have to interact. She just stand in her office, and you get these shots as she's on the phone or something. Could have worked really well, I think. Oh, oh, I see. So you still have the same conversation, just oh, in yeah, a different yeah, yeah. place. Oh, exactly. Okay. So not the car. Never you're mind. just, you're just having that oh. same conversation about the kids and like, well, you know. It, it, so I feel like that could have worked. You're, you're not leaving. You're just going straight from wherever you just were to her okay. office and then to Owen. Okay, I, I thought worked. you were like changing the scene conversation or something. Oh, okay, I got you. Just no, have no, it as no. like a background, different location. Yeah, yeah, that would work. But I, I don't know. 
character development for that would have worked, and I think he could have fitted in because I think he's known the story for a while. But uh, who knows? Maybe yeah. he just if, made it up. If he knew, way. if he knew, like why would you not? Because that that would have been really good. It, I'm trying to think of something that came to my mind. Um, I, I know like lots of TV shows or movies kind of just do that. Like characters have a thing that they're they just or is like their thing. It's like when oh, like in the book when when Claire opens her chest or whatever and she sees all that stuff in there like what if she opened a drawer and she saw that stuff and she had to like get something else out like what if she had to go get her car keys and yeah, um or, or something there you go and yeah. she opened the drawer and like the stuff from the book um was in there and she just kind of looked at it and then it brushed it off moved it out of the way and took her keys and like left or something yeah and it would have made no sense whatsoever but to like set something like that up or even if it's just a picture of her Any, family yeah. or something like yeah, man, it could have like made old, a big difference. An old dinosaur toy or an old something old that she's kept because it still like means something, but it's very connected to that side of things that we don't yeah. see in Jurassic World. That would have been so good. Would have been. Let's uh, let's move on here. Question is for Jennifer. I know that um, you really, really uh, appreciate Claire when she is at her most ambitious, intelligent, like being the boss, taking control. I love. Claire like this as well but I also gather from your opinions that all of these other facets of her that we're learning about um and also like like the scene where she's on the roof that everyone that I know that you hate so much and you know various other things um these things seem to you not to necessarily be on par with her character so I'm wondering do you do you really think that um her loving animals or her wanting to be in a relationship or any of those things do they really detract from the Claire that you know and love or is it possible for her to have all of these facets and still be um the the like basically do you believe that she can still be the ambitious Claire and still have all of these other facets too because I think those things kind of aid to her her being a well-rounded character as opposed to being just one note I'm just ambitious I'm just the boss all the time you know anyway thank you so much I recorded this a second time just so it would be under 10 minutes and I'm sorry it's like nine (laughs) minutes now I hope that you have you both have a lovely lovely day or week depending on what time the mailbag goes up and I hope to hear from you soon in another podcast bye-bye Okay, awesome. I really like her. Yeah. I really like this person. I really, <laughs> I I can't believe it was nine minutes. Like it flew by. I really like this conversation, and I really like her questioning. And she's really smart. I, I like her a lot. Okay, um, this is a good one. This is this is a good one. I didn't see this coming. Okay, I don't think it detracts, but the way that we've been shown with the with the jumps and the um the no explanations and just the way that it's been projected and. It, it's it that's kind of through me. I mean, the the sense itself that you can, of course, have a, have a, a guy. You can have compassion. You can have love for animals. You can have all of that and still be like killing it in in your job, which is fine. That's well rounded. I totally agree. But the way that we've been shown and the way that it's been laid out for us is, I think, what's throwing me the most because it just kind of took like a a wide turn to the left quickly and um. 
it's not just not what I was thinking. Like, I, like the last part we were just saying about how if it would have just shown something that grounded us to that point or just gave us a clue that that's where it would go or it would even be like, oh, I want to see more of that character would have pre-intrigued you to see more of that character. But we're blindsided with it. So it's hard to like fully see this as a well-rounded character when it wasn't laid out in a good way, I think, in my opinion. I don't know. So I don't I I don't love the full animal activist Claire, but I think I do love them when they're intertwined properly, which I don't think we've really seen yet. Maybe we will in the next one. I don't know. But I don't think I'll have a problem if they're intertwined properly. I, I huh. totally fine to like all those things. For sure. Yeah, fair points. Um I I I like I do like the Claire that we have now. Um I don't necessarily you know, care about the the business end like you did uh, for mm-hmm. Jurassic World. So I, I kind of like, you know, the the Claire that runs, you know, head first into a lot of these situations. And I especially like the fact that she takes control in this movie. She's not, you know, sitting by Owen's side like she was in Jurassic World for a lot of it. Um, but, um, yeah, she definitely was the hero of that movie. Um, but I think, you know, in this one, she's even stronger and it's tough because I, I get it. It does change. And I think it's still fresh. Like it only yeah. came out, what, um, two months ago. So it's very fresh. So it will take us quite a bit of time to adjust to who who Claire is. You know, because like I think we've said before, we've had three years to understand who Claire is. And it's a completely different person than yeah. who she actually is. So exactly. it will take some time, I think, to get used to it, right? Yeah, and I mean, we've had no no reason to really adjust. So we, we yeah. lived for three years with that one, and all of a sudden we have this one. And maybe this is a tra- – we called this a transition movie earlier in the podcast. Maybe this is a transition movie for her as well. And then in the third one, she'll be the perfect combination of everything that we've gotten so far. I hope so. I, I hope that uh, you know there is some change there because I don't know. Like as far as – how much she changed i don't think like owen changed very much um so it will be nice to see how they both change i think moving forward and um her i don't know where she goes from here because (laughs) what does she just turn into like the ultimate warrior from here or does she like does she phase out the business side because there's no need or and i was thinking about this like um at least for the both of them i feel like they're criminals at this point (laughs) I, I was I've been thinking about this too like a lot and I, I think I, I don't know if I said this on the podcast yet but I've been kind of telling people that um in obviously she had a part in Jurassic World and obviously in Fallen Kingdom she still had the connection but now the park is completely gone she's nobody she's not working anywhere like she's she's just that's over like that part of her life is over and she's here and it's like how is she still relevant to the story than anyone down the street anyone in Mm -hmm. the neighborhood like anyone in any state how is she more relevant yeah she was there but she has no power for it she's people don't really respect her now or ever really i guess i don't know especially not now um and she has no foundation she's like she's just a regular person now and i don't know how she's even part of the story anymore i mean owen has blue around but she doesn't really have anything tying her to these these dinosaurs other than common courtesy of i don't want these dinosaurs to kill people and other everyone else feels that way too so i don't really know how she stands out or she's going to be 
a character really yeah going forward i want to read like a quick brief thing here from the junior novelization of fallen kingdom which uh, is not not in fallen kingdom but um this is when they're in the dpg office and she's on the phone with um congressman gonzalez i think it is Delgado. Uh, Delgado. Uh, almost. Almost there. Uh, but uh, so it says she took a deep breath. Yes, I am the same Claire Deering who was the operations manager at Jurassic World. And yes, I do feel responsible for what happened there. That's what I'm here. That's why I'm here doing what I'm doing now. So that does give a little bit of insight into the fact that, like, she's already facing backlash. Like, people. Like you had said, probably don't like her at this point, mm-hmm. um, but she's still doing what she can to like uh, to you know move forward. But I thought that was interesting, a little point there. But you know, at at least now with Fallen Kingdom on the horizon, like nobody's going to be on her side. Nobody's going to want to back her for any other dinosaur saving expedition. And the fact that they no. went against the government's essential like ruling there about you know we were not going to save these dinosaurs they're just gonna we're we're just gonna let them die and they just did the opposite and then they're gonna have to pay the price i know we've talked about that a lot uh after jurassic world but i don't necessarily think like she deserved to pay the price in jurassic world um but in fallen kingdom there might be a little bit more consequences but i think they'll probably be on the run somehow or something well honestly they didn't run the auction they didn't do anything they tried to stop it so it's not like their fault and they didn't let the dinosaurs out either i mean they were just kind of there they weren't really catalysts to any of this happening so the dinosaurs out now is not their fault so that's why i'm like it's kind of disconnecting them from the inner story and i think we talked about this before if Claire pushed the button, at least it would pull her back in the story. Because <laughs> at this point, she has no responsibility now. I mean, she she paid for her Jurassic World mess up. She did her DPG. She did all of that. She should be like she's a regular person. So I don't really know. She has no nothing holding her to this situation now because she's not responsible for any of this happening. I mean, she was there, but she's not responsible for it. However, unless she takes the fall for Maisie, unless she's like. She unless she kind of says that she pushed the button to save Maisie's butt. I, I don't know. Huh, yeah. But I don't know how else she would really get pulled into this because she doesn't really have any connection to what happened other than she was there. But all those people were just there. So it's not really special. Does her. the government care, though? You know, does anybody whoever's going to, you know, make somebody pay? Do they care whether you were the the, the ringleader or part of the expedition i don't know i think they might at least question her about it but yeah the responsibility that she has going forward is is Maisie. like and, and i think you you brought up a good point there like her taking the fall for Maisie. that might be a thing um that could be an interesting you know turn for her character you know facing consequences for something she didn't do um but something she's protecting somebody from you're giving me stuff i want again no, you, you get know it. how you this goes it. you said it no <laughs> you know how this goes yeah but you you reinforced it so okay so um yes because i didn't get my consequences that i wanted after jurassic world so if i can get my consequences after this situation for something she didn't do but she's taken like responsibility for it kind of i mean it's a little backwards but okay i'll, I'll take the consequence i want consequences happening like these dinosaurs are out there there was a whole lawsuit with Jurassic World. Like, somebody has to take consequences, and I want to see that. And I, we yeah. haven't at all at this point. So, um, yeah, okay, I'll take that. I'll take her 
taken the fall and um i actually just thought about that on the spot i've not thought about that before this moment and now I'm, <laughs> I'm, it's like hit me a little bit and now i kind of like that and now i'm getting getting all things this should be called the podcast of things that i didn't know i wanted but i want now because <laughs> people keep doing that <laughs> yeah i think we're we're you know this is we're, we're like fully invested in this 24 7 so we just can't help but come up with good ideas right? it is I mean, cool when when new ideas come up though i yeah, mean in this never podcast, thought about it we've yeah had, we've had like three moments where new things have come up and we're like oh wow and like um the, the the Britta and her last question about Claire seeing something from her past in Jurassic World. Why we have never thought of that? I feel like in this no. entire time. I, and I think that would have solved a lot of things. It would have been really nice. Yeah, but, um, we're this stuck in limbo the, here. <laughs> this is like an enlightenment enlightenment podcast. Well, hopefully everybody else enjoyed the past two hours as well. So. <laughs> Uh, and thank you, Britta, I, for that, that last I voicemail. hope they made it to the end because this is honestly my favorite part. I think part. so. But, I mean, any Claire discussion is my favorite part. We tend really to do like that. This. Like, we tend to extend, like, the last one, like, 40 minutes or however long. So uh, we were at the hour mark, and I was like, I don't know if we're going to make it, any uh, like, much longer. But boy, was yeah, I wrong. I hope, they, I hope they tune in in the end because that was the – you save the best for last. That's yeah, why they go so long. I think so. I think so. So, I hope she calls in again. I really liked her. Yeah, me too. I know it's actually been on here for um, probably if a month and a half or so. So it's just been sitting in there trying to catch up with the rest of them. So, uh, yeah, uh, sorry about that. But uh, we're, we're getting to them all as quickly as we can. And I know there's a lot out there still, you know, waiting in the vault to see the light of day. So we'll get to you guys at, at some point. But uh, thank you, everybody. This has been this has been great. I, I really enjoyed this. I thought this was a really uh, informative and well thought out and uh, full of you know the idiocy that is the mailbag as well. So <laughs> I felt transformed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! You an evolution happened. It yeah. Every time it's the evolution of Jen and Brad. You know, it is. we'll we'll yep. get our own origin novel at some point. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> Nobody would read that. If you want to read that, uh, make sure to hit us up on um, our email at Jurassic Park Pod. You can send us those MP3s or, um, you know, you can go to our website, JurassicParkPodcast.com, fill out that contact form and leave us a message. If you want to send us a voicemail, uh, make sure to leave it to that three-minute time span so hopefully you can get everything in in that first call. Um, make sure to call 732-825-7763. Leave that voicemail after the uh, the tone there and uh, let us know what you think. Leave us your, your questions, your thoughts, your concerns about Jurassic Park. We'll answer it all right here. Thank you so much for everybody who uh, sent in stuff for this week or this month. And I uh, can't wait to hear what we have next month. Yep, it'll be October next month. Uh, no. Wait, oh my god. It's flying. It will. It's flying. October. I was like, no, it's not. No. Can you believe I couldn't believe it's September when you said, oh, September member. I'm like, holy crap. That's my birthday month. Oh, I'm going to be like, what is old. happening? And October's mine. So uh, oh. I'm going to be old. But uh, what, yeah. What day in October? The 8th. No. Mine's September 8th. Hey. Seriously? There it is. One Dude. month apart. You actually have the same birthday as my aunt, which is cool. So congratulations. Oh, I'll make sure to say happy birthday to your aunt. (laughs) Yeah. Next time in October. (laughs) Yeah. Birthday shout outs. Well, um, 
Wait, whoa, so happy birthday this month, Jen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It'll be next Saturday. When this comes out, I guess it'll be this Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have a great birthday. Um, and you'll be, um, are you, no, you're not traveling at that point. Back, yeah, you're back by then? I, I will be. I will be in, in England on my birthday. Wow, wow. Enjoy. Yeah. That's going to be fun. You're going to hang out with Tom at some point, I think, and maybe even Steve, right? Yep, and, and yep. And Bryce is out there, and I'm gonna like send her an email and be like, Bryce? "Hey, guess what? <laughs> I'm in the area." <laughs> totally gonna try that. Do it. No you have to. Me. You have to. And then you report I back know. in the October mailbag. What happened? Maybe Bryce yeah. has some questions for Claire in the next movie. Where I'll she'll have her be. record um, a mailbag question. If that doesn't happen, you're gonna disappoint everybody here. I'm fired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hitting that big red button, and you're gonna exit out the back. <laughs> So oh, no. sorry. Not the big red button. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you get a you know shot out the back, where can everybody find you online? Shot out the back. Yeah, I'm um, just hitting the uh, the eject button. You just, pff, oh my you're God. just gone. It's, it's such a funny. Visual. I don't even know why I'm doing that anymore. Like I forget what the reasoning was. Oh, if you don't come so, here with a, ma- a question from Bryce, yeah. Yeah. Better. I get thrown out. Well, yeah. I might as well just leave now. No, I'm going to... Ch- it might happen. Who knows? It might happen. It could. Could. Um, oh, where you want to find me? Yeah. Okay. If you want to find me, you if can anybody find me does. at... <laughs> just keep looking. Um, <laughs> at Jennifer underscore Lynn 89 and at the Bryce Dallas Howard Network at BDH Network. And that's about it. It's where I am all the time. Those two places. My entire life. Or here. Or here. Those three. Sold your soul, right? You're not, you're not joining the I, ER I, podcast anytime soon. I am loyal to this one and this one only. <laughs> That's it. Well, we're glad to have you. Thank you so much for joining me for September, and I'll see you Thanks. again in October. See you in October. Make sure to visit JurassicParkPodcast.com to find all of our past episodes, brand new news articles, information on how to contact us, and much more. It's a great source for everything related to the podcast and, of course, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Head to JurassicParkPodcast.com and help us build a great community. Anybody hear that? Thanks for listening to the 166th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Of course, a big thanks to Jen for joining me for the September Jurassic Mailbag. And as always, I think we had an absolute blast recording together, and I hope you enjoyed it just as much as we did. Don't forget to start calling in for the next Jurassic Mailbag. Call our voicemail line at 732 725-7763 send us a voice memo to our email jurassicparkpod at gmail.com or email us a message via our contact form on jurassicparkpodcast.com thanks if you want to interact with us we do most of our work over on twitter at jurassicparkpod we're also on facebook at facebook.com slash jurassicparkpodcast and our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park Podcast. You can listen to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for Jurassic fans like you to find us. 
Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com to find everything you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Or you can submit questions directly on our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening and enjoy. No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. You will remember to wash your hands before you eat anything. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.